Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's evening news on WSB. And boy, do I have news you're going to love. I say that euphemistically. Look, hey, wow, they've got new little microphone boomlet thingies in here. You know the little things they have above the microphones that have the name of the station? They've changed it again. Uh, 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Oh, these will last for another year, won't they, before they change the name of the station again. Okay, we, we've, we, y'all, we've got a, we've got news, news, like really big news. The White House is signing off on plans for a national gun registry. Yeah, you heard it. The White House is signing off on plans for a national gun registry. Oh, not only that, uh, to get they want to get rid of the, um, the the gun show loophole, so to speak, uh, where if you go to a gun show to buy a gun, you're going to have to have a, a background check. Yep. Let me let me give you the plan here. Let me give you the plan. Uh, under existing law, background checks are required for all firearms transfers through a federal firearm licensee. Detailed information about the transfer is captured in Form 4473. And the federal firearm licensee must keep it for 20 years. Uh, commercial Many con- commercial sales are conducted outside uh, FFLs, federal firearm licensees, without any background check or record-keeping requirements. So the president, well, the White House, the White House uh, says, consistent with the Manchin-Toomey draft legislation, a background check requirement would be extended to all advertised commercial sales, including gun sales at gun shows. Background checks would be conducted either through an FFL, that is a federal firearm licensee, one who is authorized to sell federal firearms, or or through a newly created class of licensed transfer agent, LTAs. The LTA would not carry gun inventory, but would be authorized by the ATF to initiate background checks for private sales through the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, NICS, including both verifying the buyer's identity and communicating with the NI with the NICS NICS, a commercial seller who is not a licensed dealer and does not want an FFL or transfer agent to retain a uh, form forty four seventy three could go to an FFL or transfer agent to conduct a background check before completing transfer and generate two forms: a bill of sale chain of title and a new form that would be a cert- certif- certification. The certification. Uh, would memorialize the background check and include the serial number, date, and confirmation code. The background check would be conducted based on the same information as the Form 4473. If a denial occurs, a referral would be made to law enforcement. If the transaction proceeds, the new form would be generated and sent to the seller. The FFL or transfer agent would not retain any buying information, The only documentation would be the bill of sale. The seller would have to record it for 20 years or go to jail. They would be subject to inspection. Uh, There would be civil penalties involved if they did not keep the record. Uh, that, that That is the White House plan. So to, to reiterate here, the White House plan would be to ban all gun purchases without a background check except uh, individual to individual. Any gun shows would have to have a background check and they would create a new class of, of person, a licensed transfer agent who is not necessarily a firearms seller, 
uh, but is someone for whom a license can be, uh, you can perform a background check. So in other words, you can create this new class of person, new class of entity, if you would, and this new class of entity would conduct background checks on people, but would not actually hold um, an FFL license, would not be someone who sells handguns, just someone who conducts the background check. And then uh, a bill of sale would have to be established and a certificate produced, and that would be held with the seller who must hold on to it for 20 years or face uh, penalties from the federal government. And that, of course, in so doing, the way it would happen through this third party that's not an FFL, uh, the federal government would get to keep the record, and uh, you could then build a federal registry of guns that could then, when you have an anti-gun president, be used to round up all the guns or produced under a FOIA so that newspapers can advertise all the people in a community who own guns so that they can be shamed, ridiculed, harassed, or otherwise have their homes broken into and stolen guns. If you don't think that's possible, New York actually did this. Uh, if you will recall just a few years ago, uh, one of the New York City newspapers FOIA'd the list of gun owners in New York City and published that list. Yeah, that that's what we're dealing with here. Now, there is a catch. And for many of you, it'll be a catch for which you can breathe a sigh of relief. For others, it will be a catch that is no that is meaningless. This is the White House plan. This plan is being circulated on Capitol Hill today from the White House's legislative liaison who has reached out to do this. Um, yeah. So there's a catch. Some of you may call it a punchline. This is the White House plan. This is the plan circulated by the White House Legislative Affairs Officer. This plan would prohibit any gun transfer without a background check except uh, individuals in familial relationships, essentially. Uh, that is, you actually know the person you're selling the gun to. You wouldn't have to do the background check for now. The federal government would get to keep, keep the data. The seller would have to keep the data. Uh, this is the mansion to me bill, essentially, but slightly expanded. And it's the White House plan. Uh, you notice I keep saying it's the White House plan. Well, that's because there's no guarantee the president will go along with it. That's the funniest thing about the Trump administration. Um, the White House can formulate a plan and the president can tell them to proceed. And the moment the president hears blowback from conservatives, the president says, that's not my plan. That's somebody else's plan. And someone else gets thrown under the bus. And that is my sense of what will happen here that uh, the president will hear the blowback from people, and it has begun in earnest. Second Amendment rights supporters are livid. He's already banned the bump stock, and now he's going to create a federal registry for firearms. People are livid. I mean, you should see social media right now. Second Amendment advocates are losing their mind on this. Some of the president's Trumpiest Trump-supporting fans out there are losing it this afternoon, uh, saying they will never support the man again if this goes through. Well, now White House officials are rushing out to the reporters. This has been leaked. This plan has been leaked. It has come from the White House Legislative Affairs Office, and uh, White House officials are rushing out, including Hogan Gidley, nice guy, uh, and uh, saying this is not the president's plan. This is a plan that was floated to the White House, and the White House Legislative Affairs Office has decided to float this plan to Congress. The president was made aware of the plan. The president has not himself endorsed the plan. 
This is why no one ever knows what to do with the White House, friends. Because normal White Houses don't go to Congress and say, here's the plan, and not have the president have signed off on the plan. The president is not signing off on the plan here. Um, the, this this plan has not been signed off on. So, yeah, there's there's that that's the state of play here. And people genuinely are upset. I mean, people are genuinely angry with President Trump's White House today over this. And no one has any idea whether or not the president actually supports this plan or not. Everybody's waiting for the White House to tweet. Now, here's what I suspect is going to happen. I suspect what's going to happen is that the president is going to become aware of the blowback. The blowback will manifest itself on Tucker Carlson's show tonight on Fox News. And before the sun rises tomorrow, it will be echoed by the Fox and Friends Early Edition. And as the sun is rising tomorrow, the president will tweet out uh, that this is not his plan, that this is a plan someone presented to him. He did not endorse this plan, and he does not think this plan is a great idea, and the plan will die. That, that is my suspicion. Here's the problem with that. Uh, there are a number of Republican senators who are desperate for a plan, and they are desperate to do something. And they will probably proceed with this as quickly as they can, saying that, hey, this came from the White House. This is the White House's direction. Uh, I interviewed David Perdue this morning. We will replay that interview in the 5 o'clock hour. And David Perdue said that uh, they, they, they don't want to do red flag laws. They do want to clean up the federal database for guns, the, the NICS database, that, that it needs to be cleaned up. There are There's a backlog of reporting that needs to be put into it, and that would be his plan is to fix this the backlog. Which does need to be fixed, by the way. There's bipartisan agreement. The Democrats are just holding it hostage because they want other stuff done as well. So I suspect you're not going to see David Perdue sign off on a plan like this. And I suspect you're going to see the president walk it back. Having signaled however he signaled for the White House to take this to Congress, I don't think it's going to go far. But I think it's going to allow the, the Pat Toomey's of the world and some of the other moderate Republicans of the world to go out and say, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is what we're going to do. And that just muddies the message for the Republicans headed into an election year. This was not helpful. Everybody wants the president to do something. Everyone wants the president to lead. Everyone's saying, we got to do something that the president will support. There's just a problem here. No one knows what the president's going to do or what the president's going to support until they leak it and watch for a conservative blowback. The reason is because if we're really painfully honest about it, the president understands he needs conservative support to win. He's got to hold his base. At the same time, the president wants to do something on the issue, and the president is not actually a conservative himself. He understands he's got to be a conservative to win, but his gut institutionally is, is not, of, uh, on a conservative movement, Second Amendment perspective, it, it's not there. And so he's got to feel out the base and find out what the base wants. And the only way this president trusts to honestly feel out the base is to float a plan and see the reaction to the plan. And the reaction is very swift and very forceful, so we can expect the president to walk it back. But then that leaves Congress dazed and confused as to what to do.
This is so timely. My thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring the show. If you haven't used ExpressVPN, it's something you really, really need to consider. Uh, There are so many stories now about people hacking in, observing you when you're in a coffee shop, through Wi-Fi. ExpressVPN doesn't just encrypt your data while you surf the internet on public airport and hotel Wi-Fis. It lets you stream and access content that normally would have been blocked in the country where you might be traveling, for example. With ExpressVPN, you can unblock all your favorite websites and have access access to the internet just like you would if you were at home if you're traveling abroad it makes it fantastic expressvpn runs in the background of your computer or your phone then you use the internet just like you normally would you download the app click to connect voila you're protected you don't travel abroad without expressvpn you really shouldn't be in a coffee shop or a hotel with wi-fi without expressvpn uh, it's the fastest VPN you can try. Costs less than $7 a month. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Listen, you want to keep your data secure. You want to protect yourself online. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot slash Eric. For three months free with a one-year package, visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. Do you all know that people in the South, for some reason, actually do say Arikison? It is the strangest darn thing. My wife, when we got married, she didn't really believe me that it was a problem. Went and filled out her driver's license paperwork. Her middle name is Lee, L-E-I-G-H, named after Vivian from Gone with the Wind. And the woman at the at the reg, at the DMV was calling Miss Arikison, Miss Arikison. She didn't recognize her name, and the woman went up to her and said, "Ma'am, aren't you Miss Arikison?" At which point, Christy realized I was telling the truth. And then the lady says, do you want to be Christy Erickson? Uh, She's like, Lee? She she wound up going with her maiden name uh, as opposed to Liege. Um, but yeah, the woman totally couldn't pronounce the name. Yes. Uh, Mike and Smyrna, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Great show. Listen all the time. So look, on this background check, I've been selling guns uh, between private citizens for decades. I'm 60 years old, and it's always frustrated me that there's not some website, some .gov website, so I can go in and enter somebody's driver's license number and see if they're a felon. Uh, uh, there needs to be a background check of some sort. Now, myself, I never sell a gun unless the individual can show to me his Georgia concealed carry permit. But I, I've seen people in parking lots at gun shows selling guns on the floor of gun shows. I don't believe in this gun show loophole, but I wish for private citizens like myself, there was some kind of way to verify if the person's a felon or not. Now, wait, 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 wait. You're you're regularly selling guns to people and you don't have an FFL? No, there's, for instance, there's a forum, a local forum, a Georgia forum, where you can get on there and list your weapon. And then people can contact you through private message okay. and say, hey, yeah. Yeah, yeah Mike, hey, I, I, I'm afraid the, the computer's cutting us off, um, but I didn't know that. What is going on down in Noonan? Hey, good gracious. Uh, welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's evening news on WSB. So you, you got, uh, so Philip Singleton and Marcy Sackerson, they are in the runoff down there. I think the election is in two weeks and it has gotten super nasty. Uh, super, 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 super nasty. Uh, so Sackerson is attacking Singleton for not voting for the president in 2016. She apparently didn't vote in that primary. 
Um, and I don't, uh, I think she didn't vote in 20 at some point in 2018 either, uh, in, in the primary or some such, uh, he was actually, uh, in active duty military in some part of the world, like putting his life on the line. I think we should give him a pass for not having the time to fill out a ballot when he was trying not to get killed while protecting other people's lives. Uh, but man, so apparently I, I, I'm awaiting the audio. Uh, Sacrison apparently has a political consultant who threatened uh, the the Singleton campaign. I'm, I'm they're sending me the audio. It was left in a voicemail. I, I don't know what why on earth anyone would leave a threat in a voicemail, but apparently did. Uh, I'm waiting on that. This is getting nasty. Now, for those of you who don't know, so Marcy Sackerson is the candidate backed by David Ralston, the Speaker of the House. David Ralston has given her money. He has his best, uh, most corrupt people involved, I'm sure, to to try to um, do whatever is necessary to get her in the House. Because, you know, if Philip Singleton wins, that's one more vote against the Speaker of the House. And that's one reason I'm backing Singleton. In addition to he's a combat veteran, uh, I think it was Bronze Stars uh, and that he has uh, from his combat tour. And he's just he's a good guy. He's a solid conservative. And now David Stover, who is the outgoing state representative, has endorsed Singleton. And I am told that Sackerson sent him a really nasty message. Stover. The outgoing representative just just lost her business with him too. They are having a complete meltdown there. And y'all know this is this is the worst part of politics: the nastiness in campaigns, particularly when you think it's yours. I mean, Sackerson's father was a congressman, and so naturally, he, I, this is the family business. And being the family business, the dynastic dynastic ambitions, you get really nasty to anyone who might be standing in your way. And in this case, it's Philip Singleton, who just so happens to be a combat veteran. And it is genuinely ridiculous you're going to attack a man who is defending this country, putting his life on the line, flying helicopters in combat zones, uh, because he, he unfortunately was indisposed and could not cast a ballot. In 2016, I, I, I'm thankful that he was indisposed, keeping this country safe and keeping his uh, fellow soldiers safe in a combat zone. Well, just I mean, did they not do their homework? I mean, this is the, this is the part of politics that bothers me greatly is the people who think it's theirs. I mean, Sackerson's dad, former congressman, uh, she's got the Speaker of the House. She's got pretty much every lobbyist in Atlanta uh, backing her. Uh, somebody told me the MARTA lobbyists are backing her. I guess they want to get MARTA down to Fayette County. Um, she is the white Stacey Abrams. She thinks it's hers. And she will say or do anything to get elected. Uh, we got white Stacey Abrams running on the Republican side down in Fayette County. Uh, Marcy Sackerson, you don't want to vote for the white Stacey Abrams. Uh, corrupt uh, and backing backing David Ralston, at least. I, I won't say she's corrupt, but certainly backing David Ralston, David Ralston backing her. Listen, David Ralston would not be giving her money if he didn't understand she will vote to keep him in the state house. Do you want to keep a corrupt speaker of the house in power? If so, go vote for the dynastic uh, politics of the white Stacey Abrams in Fayette County. Now, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, where where is this race? This race is the western side of uh, Fayette County, the eastern side of Coweta County. It is to the west of Lake McIntosh in Peachtree City, all the way to Noonan. 
You know where the Noonan Bypass is? We're over there uh, frequently in, in the Noonan Bypass. We head to Carrollton. We go around the Noonan Bypass. They've got that wonderful Barnes. That is a beautiful Barnes & Noble. My kids like that Barnes & Noble better than the one by our house, which is somewhat disappointing. Um, they've got a Culver's over there now. Yes, they do. We stopped by there the other day. Um, it's, it's a wonderful area of the state. Beautiful, beautiful part of the state. And it is David Stover's house. See, David Stover's has had to leave the House of Representatives, which has thrown in, caused a uh, special election. And so if you're in the Moreland area, the Raymond area, the the uh, Lake, the Lake, what is it? Uh, it's, it's Lake Peachtree. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, down there in Peachtree City, all of that. Um, you're in the district. The 71st District. So it is, I'm trying to pull it up on the map so I can tell you precisely. It's essentially to the west of 85 and in that Noonan Bypass area there. And you've got, I think Tyrone is in there. The western half of Peachtree City, the Aberdeen subdivision, all of that. That's all in this district. Uh, Raymond and Moreland and Tyrone, you're in House District 71. you got a special election in two weeks. This is an area that Lynn Westmoreland represented before Drew Ferguson. Uh, Marcy Sackerson has been running, making sure everyone knows she's Marcy Westmoreland Sackerson. She is the daughter of the congressman, former congressman. And she is, as a result of those connections, able to raise a ton of money from a lot of lobbyists and powerful members of the state legislature. Uh, she's gotten a ton of money from out of the district. Uh, Philip Singleton, her opponent, came in first in the primary. He's now in the runoff with her. He's a combat veteran. He's gotten most of his money from in-district, not from lobbyists in Atlanta, certainly not from MARTA lobbyists. And, well, Sackerson is very upset that he came in first. She was in first until I started pointing out on the radio. David Ralston gave her money, and, and now she's livid. She actually had someone you all know who will go nameless call me um, trying to figure out why I wouldn't support her. Well, I would support her because David Ralston gave her money. And he's pretty clear he's trying to protect himself. Do you want David Ralston protected like he protected those people who never had to go to trial? No, I, I think he needs to go. You vote for her, you're essentially voting for David Ralston. If you want David Ralston to go, you send a big signal to the Atlanta establishment that Ralston needs to go by voting for Philip Singleton, who is not backed by the lobbyists and not backed by the speaker, and not throwing tipper tantrums in, in text messages because, oh my gosh, somebody supported the other side. I hate these dynastic politicians who think that my daddy was this, so I get to be this. No. I mean, prove yourself instead of riding family coattails. And then to attack Philip Singleton for not voting in 2016 when he was putting his life on the line for this country is appalling. It is absolutely shameful. And frankly, she should apologize. Now, I... It's just a nasty local politics. Local politics, you do realize local politics is nastier than Washington politics. Here's the thing. In, in Washington, they all say bad stuff about each other, but by and large, behind the scenes, they get along fairly well together. You can say that's hypocritical. That's that's fine. Uh, but they understand that they're all up in that terrible city together. Uh, they got to find some common ground just so they don't lose sanity. Nash, na local politics is always nastier because you know the people involved. And when you know the people involved and you got to say bad stuff about them, you, you kind of just you, you decide that I'm just going to own it. That's why I hated being on city council, because the local people who decided they didn't like you, they were genuinely just nasty to you everywhere. 
You know, when I was on CNN, the, the people who didn't like me were always more polite than the people who did like me. I actually got yelled at one time. I stopped in the, the Chick-fil-A on Windy Hill. You know that you you all know if you've been to the Brace Dave, you know that Chick-fil-A. Uh, this was in 2014. And I had a man literally follow me in to the Chick-fil-A on Windy Hill. I was driving up to do a fundraiser for Wes Cantrell when he was running for the state house. And I stopped in the Chick-fil-A just to go use the bathroom. And an old man who listens every day, and if he's still alive, God bless him, I'm sure he's still listening. And he was livid with me. Because he agrees with me on everything except this one thing, and I'm so wrong. And he just, I'm standing there peeing in the Chick-fil-A, and he's yelling at me. I mean, literally, this is why I want a NetJet subscription, so I don't have to go to the Atlanta. You would be amazed the number of times people yell at me while I'm peeing in the Atlanta airport. Can you just leave me? You know, the security guy here tells me all the time, I, I, I got to go into the stall. So I, I do. I, I, I wait for the stall to, unless I'm like really desperate because I've been on a long flight. Otherwise, I got to go seal myself up in the stall so nobody can see me so I can be left alone just to use the bathroom. It is always the people who like you the most who do it. But in local politics, it's the people who really don't. I can't tell you the number of times I got yelled at by people who didn't like me when I was on city council because they were too freaking lazy to roll their trash can down and didn't want to admit it. And they just wanted to yell at me that their trash hadn't been picked up. It's absurd. And I realize you got to say and do stuff to get elected. But you're going to attack a combat veteran, Philip Singleton. You're going to attack him because he was putting his life on the line in 2016 for this country. And so he didn't have time to cast a ballot. I know I know some some soldiers do vote. They cast ballots. I, I get it. He was in a combat zone, didn't have time, sorry, slipped his mind. He was trying to stay alive and keep other people alive. And you're going to attack him for that? And you're going you're gonna to leave threatening messages? People from your campaign are going to leave threatening messages with his campaign manager? Talking about how much nastier it's going to get? You're going to send text messages to the outgoing guy because you're angry that he endorsed the combat veteran? You're, you're, you're mad at him and you're going to go after it? That's just, that's, that's really childish. And it doesn't improve the situation in Atlanta. It doesn't improve the situation that led to a Speaker of the House who the Republicans are too chicken to get rid of. Do you want to improve the situation in Atlanta? You cast your vote for people like Philip Singleton. If you don't live there, you don't think you don't understand why I'm devoting so much time to it. You need to understand what goes on in Atlanta, how bad it is, what they're trying to do to stop a combat veteran from getting elected because he would be brave enough to stand up to the Speaker. And the rest of you need to support him, too. We'll be back. Okay, if you are a doctor, nurses, um, practice what nurse assistant, uh, physician's assistant, um, what is it? What what's the what's the nurse? Um, it's it's not the it's nurse practitioner. That's the word I keep thinking of. Yes, nurse practitioner. I think I did say that, but I stumbled over it. Our physician's assistant, nurse practitioner. The legislature is holding hearings on whether they should give you expanded powers. I want to talk about that. When we come back right now, though, David from Tyrone, welcome. Mr. Eric, how you doing, sir? Good. How are you? Just fine. Listen, I know you and I disagree on the radio and occasionally, but you have not this uh, Westmoreland's daughter thing. That's a home run. You have nailed that to a T. Please keep up what you're doing because we're trying everything we can in the Tyrone area 
to make sure she is not one of our Congress critters. Yeah, well, there I will do my best. Thank you very much, David. Yeah, uh, running for the state house. Um, but you know, it, it's just it's always a launching pad. It's always a launching pad. Ah, uh, yes, we will do what we can. Uh, the fact that her consultant uh, left a threatening voicemail for I, I'm trying to get my hands on that voicemail. Um, just just essentially saying that they're they're going to do gutter politics uh, from here on out. They must be desperate. They, you know, all of the polling I saw, and I didn't even get it from the Singleton people, I got it from outside groups, uh, was that she was in first place and she wound up coming in second into the runoff, which must mean she's really, really desperate. And desperate people do desperate things, and that tends to backfire, usually. To attack a combat veteran, though, for not voting because he was in a combat war zone just seems like the height of desperation. Uh, just pitiful. So you Philip Singleton, I, I, I don't think there's time to do a fundraiser for him, but I'd go down to Noonan and do a fundraiser for him if I could. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number, if you would like to call in, and I bet some of you are going to want to call in about this. 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Uh, the state had hearings over in Augusta. Uh, the the state, I, you know, I said this one time in front of Donald Rumsfeld and he went just ballistic at me because I said the White House did something, which everyone says the White House did something. He says the White House did not do anything. The White House is a building. It is an inanimate object uh, who in the White House did something. It's like, yikes, I have uh, I'm, I don't even work in the Pentagon. And Donald Rumsfeld is upset with me. Uh, he's a brilliant guy, by the way. Uh, really, really, really like him. Now, okay, um, this was in the Augusta Chronicle, and I had the story on my morning show, and now I'm trying to find the story again. Uh, I, that's okay. I, I know what it is. The state legislature, members of the state legislature, Mr. Rumsfeld, uh, in Augusta at the medical college had a hearing to determine if they should alter the rules in Georgia about nurse practitioners and physician's assistants. Neither, I I know this comes as a shock to you, but neither nurse practitioners nor, um, nor physician's assistants are doctors. I know, shocking, isn't it? it, it it's right there in the title that they're not, but... A lot of people go to nurse practitioners and physician's assistants and and deal with them um, because, well, it it can be cheaper and a lot of times they're more personable. Um, This is it's a House and Senate study committee. I found the article now. It's in the Augusta Chronicle. They're looking at physician supervision of mid-level practitioners, nurse practitioners, and physician's assistants. They met at the Children's Hospital of Georgia to hear from health professional schools at Augusta University. Um, about the programs. The College of Nursing officials made a strong plea that Georgia join other states in allowing greater flexibility. In Georgia, nurse practitioners cannot prescribe Schedule II drugs like Oxycontin and fentanyl. Georgia is one of only five states that doesn't allow them and physician's assistants to do that. Chuck Huffsettler of Rome co-chairs the study committee with Mark Newton of Augusta. Uh, Georgia is also the only state that does not allow physician uh, nurse practitioners to order advanced imaging like CTs and MRIs. There are 15,000 nurse practitioners licensed in the state. Uh, only nine to 10,000 actually practice in Georgia. It is very difficult to recruit them here. 
they do help lower costs and, and they make um, medicine um, available. Uh, they, they make doctor care available. Now, there is an issue, for example, uh, there were some surgeons who said they would very much like to allow the nurse practitioner to write the prescriptions after a long day in surgery. They're exhausted and they may forget. They'd like the nurse practitioner to be able to write the prescription. Uh, and But there are some members of the legislature who are doctors who say, you know, I, I went to law school. Uh, law school. I went to medical school. I went a long time in medical school, and I don't think a nurse has the skill I have to be able to do this. And that's fair. I have some thoughts on this. I, I Believe it or not, I actually do. I, I'm perfectly happy to take your thoughts as well. At the bottom of the hour, uh, Senator Perdue, uh, I interviewed him earlier today. We're going to rerun that interview for you. So my wife and I, we used to take our kids to a pediatrician who is a wonderful person, uh, but very big into homeopathic remedies, which was fine, except we could begin to tell. And once you have kids, you understand this. You can tell when your kid's getting sick and you can tell when your kid's developing an ear infection or a sinus infection, you you, you name it, you, you can tell. And we'd take them to the doctor particularly we were there when before our, our second child was born, we could we could take our daughter there. We knew she's, she's getting an infection. Nope, nope, white blood cell count. Nope, no, no infection. Go home. 48 hours later, we're back. Oh, yeah, yeah, bad infection, bad infection, terrible ear infection. And we just, we got so frustrated. We wound up going to a different pediatrician, and he was a little more flexible with it, but even so, um, we could tell that the kids would be getting sick. No, not, not there yet. Well, then we have a physician's assistant at, at the new pediatrician and we go to church with them. They, they, she knows us. Uh, we know them. She's fantastic. The, the pediatrician is fantastic. I mean, just couldn't be happier with him, but she's a little more accessible than he is because he's trying to run his practice and everything else. But Christy or I, we can take the kids in and say, listen, we know they're probably not sick yet. But every single time this happens, they get sick. And she'll be like, all right, antibiotics. And sure enough, we're, we're able to head it off. Where in the past, uh, I mean, uh, our child would have horrible ear infections before the old pediatrician would say, okay, now it's time for antibiotics. And I get the point of being cautious with antibiotics. But at the same time, uh, it can be deeply frustrating When you know your kid is going to get sick and you know you're going to have to come back a second time this week, pay for another doctor's visit to finally be prescribed the antibiotics they could have given you the other day because you knew uh, you you were going to have them. My wife goes to a doctor's office where the doctor is very, very busy, but she has uh, some nurse practitioners and physician's assistants who work with her, and they're fantastic. And my wife goes to the nurse practitioner who is very familiar with my wife's history and helps her tremendously regularly. In fact, she was there the the last week, and and the nurse practitioner wound up sending her straight to the emergency room, was able to call ahead, get everything squared away. They knew my wife's cancer history and everything. Um, She wound up having an infection, but they they, because of some problems she was having, they didn't want to treat her in the office, and it was great. Uh, I think we should be investing in nurse practitioners and physician's assistants. Now, are there times things can go wrong? Yes. Are there times that they could prevent you from being seen by a doctor who may have deeper wellspring of knowledge to be able to treat? Absolutely. What I find ridiculous, though, is that we have nurse practitioners in the state and we won't let them order CTs. We won't let them order MRS. My wife needed to have a CT, and uh, we had to be referred to a cardiologist to have the cardiologist order the CT 
because the nurse practitioner couldn't do it. And that's just bizarre. When the nurse practitioner knew you, your wife has lung cancer and is having breathing issues, we need a CT. And the nurse couldn't do it. The nurse practitioner couldn't do it. And the, the doctor that she works for was not, not around to be able to sign the order. It was, it was ridiculous. There's no reason for that. But I, I do have to tell you this. I don't think the legislature should allow anyone other than doctors to prescribe Oxycontin and fentanyl, Schedule II narcotics. I, I, I don't think they should. And I don't mean this disrespectfully to any nurse practitioner or physician's assistant. I just think we should limit the people who have the ability to sign a prescription uh, for those things. Uh, Georgia has an opioid epidemic like other states, and it is not as bad as other states, although it's bad. And it, one of the reasons why it is not as bad as other states, even though it's bad, is we have a limited number of people, more limited number of people than in those states who can prescribe Schedule II narcotics. Um, we have been, if nothing else, because of the protection of schemes in the state, uh, been fortunate on this issue. Y'all, I do not think that we should be expanding the class of people who can uh, administer or prescribe Schedule II narcotics. We just shouldn't. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to to nurse practitioners and to physicians assistants. They should absolutely be able to order PET scans, MRI, CTs, you name it. But let's restrict the Schedule II narcotics to doctors. I think that makes sense, uh, particularly because we now have a, a documented history of how abusive those drugs can be. Uh, having all the eyeballs possible necessary on someone who wants those drugs should be necessary. But let's loosen up a little bit. And make Georgia a place that is much more nurse practitioner and physician's assistant friendly than what the state is because it's not really friendly to them. What actually makes a better toothbrush? Is it the industrial strength power or the claims of miracle trendy ingredients, the multiple modes? If you ask your dentist, they'll tell you it's less about the brush, more about how you use it. And that's why you need Quip. Quip is the remarkably simple electric toothbrush created by dentists and product designers to focus on what actually matters for your oral health. Healthier habits. Most of us don't brush for a full two minutes. That's what dentists recommend. And Quip makes it easy because the toothbrush vibrates for two minutes with great sonic pulses. And every 30 seconds, it pulses to ensure that you rotate it in your mouth to get an even clean. And you know, 75% of us use old worn out bristles. They're ineffective. Quip automatically delivers brush heads to you every three months for clean new bristles right on schedule. The sleek, intuitive design. It's simple to use. It comes with a travel cap, doubles, doubles as a mirror mount it's a great toothbrush you can ditch the gimmicks get a quip i've been using mine now for about two years and they're fantastic they start at just 25 dollars. you'll get your first refill free at getquip.com slash erickson that is a simple way to support the show and you get a better toothbrushing experience you go to getquip g-e-t-q-u-i-p.com slash erickson you get your first refill free go right now to getquip q-u-i-p.com slash erickson it is 25 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News, and Tim in Cartersville is going to talk to me. How are you, Tim? I'm good. How are you, Eric? Good. What's going on? I just want to make a comment about this uh, debate over whether nurse practitioners should be able to uh, do additional type services, kind of like uh, issuing the orders for the CT scans. I think... Um, Similar to how a CPA has to have a certain number of hours underneath another CPA before they can get their license, perhaps what they could do with these nurse practitioners is say, you have to have a certain number of hours under a doctor and have a doctor willing to sign off on it before you could get those additional kind of um, rights as a nurse practitioner. 
I, I think that's fair. And, and you know, I, I still think there's a big difference between ordering a CT and uh, prescribing Oxycontin. Um, and, oh, absolutely. But, you know, some of these nurse practitioners have more experience than some of these doctors yes. that are at school. So, you know, I certainly see the argument uh, for both sides of this. Yeah, man. It, it, it does our, seem like there should be a compromise. Yeah, you know, our, our pediatrician uh, has been a pediatrician since uh, probably 20 years. And he had a nurse practitioner working with him who had another probably 15 years, 20 years experience on him. And he was all the time consulting with her on stuff. I mean, she just had such a wellspring of knowledge. She she ultimately retired, um, but it was actually a wonderful, beneficial, mutually beneficial relationship between the two of them. Uh, and Absolutely. yeah, I, I definitely think there should be that relationship. That that is a great idea, Tim. I, I appreciate you calling in on that. Um, and but yeah, it, it's I I do think that you got to be cautious, particularly in this day and age, about prescribing those. Um, those schedule two narcotics, it can be a problem. Okay, before 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 we get to David Purdue in the next half hour, I I gotta mention this one to you. Uh, have y'all heard about Union Seminary? Union Seminary is where Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great theologian of the middle twentieth century, who wound up dying in a Nazi concentration camp for a plot to kill Hitler. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer went to Union Seminary in New York City. Brilliant theologian. Union Seminary has gone off the rails completely, is now a hyper-progressive. Union Seminary is, is the seminary where the supposedly Christian president of the seminary says you don't have to believe in the resurrection uh, or the or really the crucifixion to believe in Jesus. Well, at chapel yesterday, they confessed their sins to their plants. Um, yes, that's right. They had a, a time to reflect and pray to the plants that give them air and oxygen and life. If I confess to my plants, it would be that I'm fat and I need to eat more of them, uh, but I like the cows better. Uh, but these people were actually praying and confessing their sins to the plants. This is paganism. My goodness. Now, joining me from Washington, D.C., Senator David Perdue joins the show. Senator, how are you this morning? Good morning, Eric. How you doing? Congratulations uh, on this new show, man. Thank you very much. Uh, we are the North Georgia mountains all the way to the Florida line. I guess we'll be in your neck of the woods here shortly. Um, yeah, you're growing every day, it looks like. It's fantastic. Now, I, I, I got to ask you before I do anything else, this Kavanaugh situation, I mean, talk about blowing up in the face of the Democrats, this New York Times stuff. Well, you know, we laugh about it, but honestly, goodness, it's, this is the height of obstructionism coordinated with the media. The New York Times popped this article out there without verifying it or corroborating it at all. And immediately all the Democratic presidential candidates, as well as some people who are getting into my race, have all called for his impeachment. And we're going to impeach a sitting justice in the Supreme Court on an allegation by a paper who was, that was not verified. They immediately jumped to that. That just shows the height of the obstructionism that, that we live with here in D.C. by the Democrats. It, it, it really is striking that they, anything that they think stands in their way, and now the Supreme Court is one of them, they want to declare illegitimate. The, the Senate is illegitimate. The Electoral College is illegitimate. The Supreme Court is illegitimate. Brett Kavanaugh is illegitimate. The president's illegitimate. It, 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 they just they, they can't play by the rules, and so they want to upend it all. Well, Eric, this is about power. It's not about helping the working class or anybody else that, that they claim to champion because they failed them over the last hundred years. And the great war on poverty of the great society was a failure. I mean, poverty rate today is the same as it was then. I mean, all the things that they claim to champion, they have failed. The irony is this. This is what they want. you got, you got to read what they say. Schumer is saying that if they, get, if they get the majority in the Senate, 
that they will get rid of the filibuster rule, add, try to add D.C. and Puerto Rico as two new states, add four seats to the Supreme Court, and do away with the uh, Electoral College. Well, that's a description of a one-party state. That didn't work out very well for the people in Russia in 1917 or Germany in 1933 or Cuba in 1959 or Venezuela today. It's been an unmitigated disaster every time. And yet these guys running for president of the Democratic Party are absolutely serious about changing the free market, free enterprise system in America. Well, and that leads me to here in Georgia. I was—I I guess I shouldn't be shocked, but I kind of am that there is uniformity of opinion among those who would like to replace you in the Senate uh, that we also need to investigate and, and pay reparations for the Civil War. Uh, I, I was actually really stunned that he, even the ones who want to portray themselves as reasonable suddenly are taking a position that's not even favored by a majority of the black community in the country. Well, no, look, the majority of the black community, Asian community, Hispanic community, uh, as well as the Caucasian community, are reasonable people. <clears throat> they know what's right and wrong, and they just want the same thing we all want, and that is a future for our families. They want freedom. That's why we're here. Our founding mothers and founding fathers were serious about this, and it served us well for 230 years. People don't realize that to get what they want in the Democratic Party, what these guys are, are perpetrating right now, trying to perpetrate, actually does away with individual freedom in America. They want the federal government who they think know more, knows more about running our lives than we do, to be in charge. And, and we know over the last 100 years, every time we built a big, a big bureaucratic program here in Washington, it has failed, every single one of them. So this is, this is serious, and, and this race is not about any of the issues the Democrats are talking about right now. It is simply a, more, a, a referendum on what we want America to be for our kids and our grandkids, and, and I, I'm going to be fighting for the free market system and free enterprise system that has served us so well for 230 years. Now, Senator, let me, uh, on, on a policy note here, it looks like the White House is trying to come to terms with and announce what they would like to do on the gun issue in, in the Senate. There have been discussions of red flag laws and, and gun restraining orders and expanded background checks. And What are you hearing and, and thinking for yourself up there? Well, certainly, you know, we all grieve over the loss of life, and nobody less than, uh, nobody more than President Trump. And, uh, you know, he has actually already acted. Last year, he, he uh, sponsored uh, the Fix NICS, the NICS bill that makes sure that every um, law enforcement group in America, whether it be local, state, or federal, shares criminal backgrounds. We want to keep the guns out of the criminals' hands, out of the people's hands that, that shouldn't have it. Uh, but let's remember, the Second Amendment is part of our Constitution. I support that as well as the First Amendment. Uh, but <clears throat> we, we also know that we need to be responsible and keep the guns out of the hands of the people that should not have them. Trump also signed a, a Stop School Violence Act uh, last year called the Hatch Bill. And I've got a, a, a school safety bill that I'm putting in uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, here. And we've, you know, the president also got rid of bump stocks. So he's already moving. But what he's going to do, I think, in the next day or two is come out with his platform for what we need to do now to tighten up on background checks. And uh, he knows this is a slippery slope and that uh, we have to be very careful in, in doing this. But there are ways that we can be a bit more efficient about keeping guns out of the hands that uh, of the people that should not have them. 
Now, along those lines, it seems like Democrats are, I mean, it looks like they're going to play politics in this. Representative Ken Buck from Colorado points out that they don't want to have any language in any of the legislation dealing with violent gangs and, and access to arms and gangs and red flag laws related there, too. That it seems like this is just another issue, much like immigration, where they're politicizing it instead of actually trying to find some common ground. Of course. Tell me how a party can justify sanctuary cities. Eric, you've talked about this for years. And ever since Kate Steinle was shot down on the streets of San Francisco, I met her father. I mean, you, you can't imagine what that does to a father to see his daughter shot right there before him by a guy who had been arrested and deported eight times. And the, and the city of San Francisco would not turn that individual over to federal prosecutors who wanted to deport him again. And he, he killed an innocent bystander. So if the Democrats are so concerned about security and safety and looking out for the little guy, then why don't they stand up and help us enforce our borders? I mean, th- this obstructionism over the president has gotten perverse. Right now, that desire of the Democrats to have an open border is keeping us from actually funding the government right now, literally today. We're going to vote on a defense bill that the Democrats are probably not going to let us vote on because they want to block it because the president's trying to move money around, which is his legal right, to, uh, to help support uh, the defense of our borders. So uh, we know what's, what's working there, by the way, but uh, this is a much bigger issue, and I applaud the president for staying on it. Well, one last thing for you here. Uh, with these Democrats now running, it's it's a reminder, one, of how shallow their bench is. Uh, but I just uh, you and I have talked about this before. We talked about it in, in August, and we've talked about it on the Atlanta show, that they really it's, it's striking to me how far left Georgia Democrats really seem to want to run to run against you. You've got Theresa Tomlinson and Ted Terry out there trying to out-progressive each other with some sort of scorecard, and now Ossoff coming out with reparations and gun bans and everything else. Uh, he, he, I, he, I, I got to imagine you're going around the, the state of Georgia and, and not to set you up for a super softball here, but I don't hear anybody in the state of Georgia wanting any of the stuff that the Democrats are offering. Listen, one thing I'm sure of in Georgia, and I grew up there, I've lived there and, and worked there all my life mostly, and I can tell you that the road to socialism is not going to run through the state of Georgia, Eric. It's not. People are smarter than that, and they see through this. The people who are now talking about running for the Senate in Georgia are going to have to to be just a rubber stamp for uh, the party line in the Democratic Party. That's the way they operate. And if they were to get elected, they would be nothing but a rubber stamp for Chuck Schumer in the United States Senate. I see that every day here where they align their votes around these radical – I'm not even using the word progressive because progressive sounds like a positive thing, right? This is retro. They're not progressive. This is the retro socialist party that want to take us down a road that has failed around the world consistently over the last hundred years. And it just is remarkable to me that they really believe that Americans are that stupid that we would do something to, to kill the, the, the uh, you know, this system that we have that's been so, so good for us. Well, I, I'm I'm assuming that I've got a lot of optimism and faith in the Georgia people that they won't do that and, and we'll stick with you. I sure appreciate you stopping by and spending some time with me this morning. Well, thank you, Eric. Good luck on your program, and uh, I look to see you soon. Thanks, man. Thanks very much, Senator David Perdue. All right, so um, rounding out the thoughts here. First, uh, thanks to Senator Perdue for stopping by. You know, the nice thing now about having two shows is that I can have somebody, they can't stop by in the morning, they can stop by in the evening like the governor did yesterday, and then I played his audio 
uh, on the show, uh, on the morning show, or Senator Perdue, who couldn't stop by uh, this evening because of his vote schedule in the Senate, could stop by in the morning, and we can make sure you guys get it here. So we're continuing to blanket the state of Georgia in my voice that is fit for print. Now, uh, before I get out of here this evening, I want to remind you again, if you know people who live down in House District 71, that is the Noonan, Peachtree City, Tyrone, the Moreland area down there, House District 71. Make sure people understand about this race. It is a special election, so turnout will be low. Sacrison versus Singleton. I am backing Singleton. You need to send a message that David Ralston needs to go. The best way to do that is to support Singleton. Uh, we'll be back here tomorrow, and maybe we'll have time to get into Lewandowski tomorrow. See you all then.